from the Diocese of Gallup, welcome to Crozier Cast. I'm Suzanne Hammonds, Director of Communications, and as always with me is your host, Bishop James Wall. Bishop Wall, how are you today? I'm doing well, Suzanne. How are you doing? Pretty good. Can't complain. And we are going to spend a little bit of time today talking about service to the poor, because tis the season, and uh, we tend to think about, especially about giving um, to the poor around the holidays. I mean, it should be something year-round, but especially during this time of year, we sort of look to uh, giving and charity. So uh, why don't you take us into it? Well, this morning I was uh, celebrating Mass for the Missionaries of Charity. They have a, a soup kitchen and a shelter here that does just amazing work, and especially during the winter months because it, it gets so cold, you get close to zero at night. And it, unfortunately, even in the city, we have a number of people that die from hypothermia every year they sometimes you know they they drink too much and they uh, just get a sense of being warm from the alcohol but then they're outside in the elements and so many times people die from hypothermia and I know that the the sisters really help to alleviate that by opening up their shelter by uh, giving them a warm meal uh, giving them you know when they stay there at night they, they give them um, uh, set up pajamas and they do the laundry of, of their clothing so that um, they're, they're going out each morning with clean clothing. I think that's a great way to uh, respect the dignity of, of these men and women that, that come to the shelter. So this morning, as I do every Friday when I'm in town, I celebrate Mass in the Missionaries of Charity uh, Chapel. And this uh, today, there were two young uh, ladies. They're juniors in high school, or college, I'm sorry, they're juniors in college at a um, college in uh, southern Louisiana. And uh, we had breakfast afterwards and we got to talking and I asked them about, you know, their time here and what their, um, what, what drew them here. And they said to me that they'd been here before on other missionary trips and they were really inspired to come back. And so they split time between two of the religious orders that we have that, that serve the poor. One is the Missionaries of Charity and the other is the Little Sisters of the Poor. So the missionaries of charity serve mostly the, those who are on the street, those who are really poor and destitute. With the Little Sisters of the Poor, they serve the aged uh, poor, many of the men and women who have no place to go. Maybe they don't have family to take care of them, or they just don't have the finances to take care of themselves. And so they were, they were splitting time back and forth between the, the two uh, communities and serving the poor. And what really inspired me was last week they finished their finals and immediately they got on a plane and they came out here. So part of their their Christmas vacation was spent serving the poor. It, it was very, very inspiring. So I thought, you know, here we are, the poorest diocese in the United States. We have a great uh, number of the poor. And I thought I would talk a little, we, we could talk a little bit about uh, the, the uh, service of the poor and maybe how we have missionaries, not only within our diocese, but missionaries that come from outside of our diocese to, to serve the poorest of the poor. And there's a, quite a few young uh, youth groups as well that come uh, a lot in the summer, but especially all throughout the year, during school breaks, high school and college, correct? Yes. yes. Yeah, we get a number of people um, around spring break. We get a lot of college students that will come here, a lot from Kansas and uh, Nebraska. That seems to, to be uh, the, the most that we get. 
Um, I know we have a, a great group that comes every year to Laguna and Acoma from Katy, Texas, and uh, they love to come to it. And um, they'll do they'll do a vacation Bible school for those two pueblos. Uh, sometimes we get up to 80 kids that will come for a whole week, and they come every day. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes with a vacation Bible school, you only get a uh, they'll come a big group one day, and you kind of drop off the next day, and it kind of dwindles through the week. But at Laguna and Acoma, they come every day, and this this group from Katy, Texas, is awesome. And a lot of times they'll join us at our cathedral for our St. Kateri Mass that we have every year on our feast day on the 14th of July. So we get missionaries that come from all over the United States, high school, uh, college, and even above that. Uh, There's one group that comes from Colorado every year, and they go to our Sacred Heart Retreat Center, and they just do amazing work. And one of the ladies makes quilts, and she brings the quilts and donates them to us. And then we're able to sell them and uh, get a little of the proceeds to help to, to support the work up at the, the retreat center. So we have, we have missionaries from all over the place that come to, to serve here. And uh, there are a lot of poor, a lot of people who are in need. And so it's, it's, um, it's really beautiful. There's a, a group from St. Mary's High School, and I was very, uh, very close to the school because I was a priest in Phoenix. And they had something for the freshmen, they had something for the juniors, something for the seniors. And so the, uh, the chaplain to the school, who was my former youth minister, she decided we wanted to do something special for the sophomores. And not, any, not just anyone can go. You have to actually write a, um, do an application. Um, you have to write uh, an essay on why you want to do this. And you can't have any um, dis- disciplinary uh, infractions um, and so they get to come up so it's, it's really something that they work to be able to go to and they come up to Clagato every year and help to serve the poor up there and the kids are awesome they, they love it and um, I know one year they were so excited because they were able to um, uh, uh, shovel out a, a sheep pen and they were they were just really excited and some of them were out there with flip-flops you know <laughs> Phoenicians they don't, they don't understand this when they get up in the cold they're out there in flip-flops, and they're, they're shoveling out of a sheep pen, which was awesome. Uh, if we could, I'd kind of like to actually broaden a little bit. Um, for, you know, hundreds of years, and even now, it, throughout the world, the church is, I believe, the largest, the single largest charitable organization in the entire world. And it doesn't matter whether it's a local community, something that happened, or something that happens across the world, a war, a famine, a hurricane, that you'll find the church there. So why is that? Why do we as Catholics, why is service to others and charity so integral to the church? Well, I would say that goes back to our Lord. And if we look at Matthew chapter 25, um, when our Lord talks about our particular judgment at the end of our lives, he says, um, for those who gave shelter to the homeless or clothed the naked or gave food to those who are hungry or um, you know, gave water, uh, drink to those who are thirsty, visited someone who's ill or in prison. Jesus says, when you did this for the least of these, you did this uh, to me. And so we identify with our service to the poor, going back to the beginning of our church, as a service to Christ. So Christ is the one who invites us to do that, uh, to alleviate the suffering of the poor and to minister to them in the best way that we can. So I'd say that's probably the main reason 
because we receive the commandment from Jesus. And Jesus says, um, you are my friends if you keep my commandments. And that's a very, very important one. And then he says, um, at the end of our life, you know, he, he identifies us as the sheep, the ones who are part of his flock by doing that. But then he also has very harsh words, too, for those who did not do this. When you did not do this for the least of these, you did not do this for me. And then he says, uh, you'll go off to e eternal punishment for that. And um, because they were not friends of our Lord, they didn't keep his commandments by serving the poorest of the poor. And so we've always had a, a long, long history of that. Um, you know, I work with uh, the Catholic Home Mission is one of our largest collections that we take uh, throughout the year here in the United States. I work for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. I'm in my second term as a, a member of that board. And much of what we do is is geared and aimed at uh, serving the, in the poor uh, throughout uh, different dioceses in the United States. That's ours. I believe that's our second largest collection mm -hmm. after the retired religious collection. So, you know, whoever hears this, uh, that's a great one to contribute to because you are directly serving the poor in the United States. That's a, that's our, that's a part of our history, and we, we continue to do that. And then focusing in a little bit, who are some perhaps recent figures in the life of the church that have given us uh, fantastic examples of charity and how to live a charitable life? Well, you know, we started out talking about the missionaries of charity, so I think uh, there are recently canonized uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, or Mother Teresa, as many people know her. So I think she's a, she's a great example. And she always says that, um, it's just beautiful, beautiful lines, kind of zingers that really hit you, hit you, hit your heart, touch your heart. Um, you know, when she was referencing the poor, one of the quotes that she had was that each one of them is Jesus in disguise. And that goes right along with Matthew uh, 25. I have a, a bit of a hunch. I don't know if this has ever been confirmed, but whenever Mother Teresa would found a new house, and they continue to do this when they found a new house, the first thing that she made sure to do was that the Blessed Sacrament was present and that the sisters were spending time, at least a holy hour, uh, uh, celebration of sacrifice at the Mass. And they were doing this, and they were gazing at our Lord present to them in the Eucharist. And I believe that because they came to encounter the living Christ in the Eucharist, a guaranteed encounter with Him, that when they went out to do their ministry and they encountered the poor, it wasn't simply the poor that they saw, but they were able to identify Jesus Christ in the poor. So they were serving the poor. Again, that goes on with Matthew uh, 25. This is an older, older quote. But uh, St. John Chrysostom, very quotable. He said, if you cannot find Christ in a beggar at the church door, you will not find him in the chalice. And we see that the two go hand in hand. And so that, that's kind of one of my, my thoughts about why the missionaries of charity and Mother Teresa were so effective in, in serving the poor is because they were each day they were spending time before the Lord in the Eucharist. Um, another one that comes to, to mind would be uh, Dorothy Day. And we, we're starting to see her, her cause advance toward canonization. She was always a little controversy or controversial. Um, and one of the reasons was, uh, I believe she had an abortion. And so that was always a, a little controversial. But we know that she was forgiven uh, by the Lord in the, in the sacrament of penance. And we know that our Lord's 
um, forgiveness, his mercy is greater than, you know, because it's infinitely, it's, it's greater than any act that we could have ever committed. Our acts are finite. But it, one of her quotes was said, we must talk about poverty because people in, uh, insulated by their own comfort lose sight of it. So something that we always want to keep uh, keep out there in front of us. And I think too, and you know, in homilies, I don't think we can talk enough about service of the poor. Our, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, we're seeing some very, uh, I guess, tangible acts uh, by our Holy Father in serving the poor. You know, taking some of the property of uh, the Vatican and turning some of the property in places where uh, the poor can get showers, the poor can get food, um, haircuts, right? That was one of the things, uh, too, that he just, you know, it really helps them. When we're serving the poor, what we're doing is we are confirming their, their, their dignity. And their dignity is not something that we give them, and it's not something that we can take away from them, because their dignity is given to them by God, being created in the image and likeness of God. And so when we serve the poor, not only are we being charitable, practicing virtue of charity, and loving them, but we're also affirming their dignity and their God-given dignity. Now, going along with that, um, with the idea of the mention of the Vatican properties and things like that, a common criticism that I hear sometimes from people who have uh, maybe just casually stepped inside of a church or aren't as familiar, um, or maybe they are, I'm not sure, is, you know, why doesn't the church sell off this artifact or that artifact? Why do you have this altar that's highly decorated sure, uh, when that could go to the poor? of the church, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Well, those things are, have been built for a long time. Many of those things have been gifted for a particular reason. And uh, this might be a little controversial, but generally from those people who say those things, I don't really see them serving the poor themselves. They just kind of like to uh, stand back and, and kind of lob grenades in at the church. But uh, that, that wouldn't be one thing. But those, those are, many of those things have a specific purpose. And much of that purpose is for the glory of God. It really is an, it inspires our, our own worship and praise of our loving God, right? Giving something that is due to him and him alone. But it has a purpose. We could go and sell those things. And, and sometimes they do go and sell those things. But the patrimony of the church has a particular purpose. And, and what it can do, too, is it can lead us into a deeper relationship with God, which will transform our heart, bring about conversion, and we'll have a, a, um, maybe a greater sense of solidarity with the poorest of the poor and move us to service. We can all serve the poor. Sometimes it can be a little daunting. You know, we think, well, when I go serve the poor, I have to serve like a hundred or a thousand or, you know, but our, our Lord says it's not really necessarily about the numbers. And we know that when he speaks about the one lost sheep and he leaves the 99 in, 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 uh, in, in search of the one lost sheep. And so our Lord tells us, you know, it can, it can be a hundred people, it can be a thousand people, or it can be one person, uh, the person that we meet, the person who's in need. And that person could be our neighbor, the person could be in our family, that person could be a complete stranger to us. But it's about service of the poor. And again, as I, as I said, um, acknowledging their human dignity, something that is God-given. Yeah, kind of going along with that, the um, you know, when we see these things, especially the, the inside of a beautiful church or these priceless artworks, those are for everyone, including the poorest of the poor they who are. couldn't access them otherwise, you know. 
Um, <clears throat> and moving along, what about for people um, who have very little of themselves? Um, for many people, you know, in this day and age, money is tight. They have hardly enough for, on their own. How can they practice charity in their own lives? I, I would say that would be service, through service. Um, we, and also we think about it. If we don't have a lot, we think about the widow's might. Um, she, she really, she didn't give from her surplus, but she, she really gave as an, an act of charity. So I would say it, it's, you know, we don't really um, kind of count the cost in that way. Our Lord doesn't either. But if we're able to give, um, where it hurts, right? If we're able to give, even if it's just a little bit, that, that's an act of charity. And, and God rewards that charity. So, you know, if we're able to give monetarily, that's great. Or we can, we can give through volunteering. Um, we, this year, our, our, our kids in the, the confirmation program went around uh, the, the city and they, uh, and they collected canned food and money and, and different things like that. And it was awesome because these are the kids that were gonna be confirmed by me. And one young man came to my door and he, um, he started to talk about it. And I said, you're from the cathedral, aren't you? You're in confirmation, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. And he was just kind of amazed that I knew all about this. Because you were at home, you weren't in your clerics. I wasn't right? in my clerics. And so, and he was just yeah, amazed that I knew all these things. And I, and I said, uh, so you're going to get confirmed, huh? And who's going to do the confirmation? And he says, the bishop. And I said, I'm the bishop. <laughs> and it was really funny. And, and so he yelled to his other friends who were at other house. And they, he goes, hey, guys, come over here. It's the bishop's house. So they, they came to, to collect at my house. I thought that was awesome that they were doing. They were giving up Saturday morning to do that. So they themselves didn't have money, and they might have contributed money, but they themselves didn't necessarily have money. But they were going out and collecting and giving an, giving so in, a, in an act of charity, but giving an opportunity to other people to be charitable too, to help to feed the poor, which was, which was awesome. So there are many things that we can do, serving our St. Vincent de Paul, Society. That's what my family did growing up, um, you know, at the local food pantry, um, partnering with the Little Sisters of the Poor, Missionaries of Charity, Daughters, daughters of Charity. We have them, uh, those sisters in our diocese, too. And um, they help to, to do beautiful things, charitable things, you know, really inspired by the, the life of St. Vincent of Paul. Yeah. Or if someone lives maybe out in a, a rural village or something like that, uh, every church that I know of can always use someone to help with doing lector, you know, as a lector, Eucharistic, you know, taking uh, the Eucharist people in their homes, if the priest, yeah, exactly. So there's always, I mean, if you have no other option, just stop by your, you ask your pastor. Yeah, and one of the things we had in terms of visiting those who are in prison, uh, we have a wonderful daughter of charity, Sister Elizabeth, who is absolutely just infectious with her love for those who are incarcerated. And so she signs people up to go sing Christmas carols Mm -hmm. at at the local jail. She she kind of guilts you into it because she's so sweet and then she's like, well, we're gonna say we're gonna sing carols and you you feel so like you can't say no because you feel she so. She has a little a, Santa hat and stuff. I think that's a gift that women religious just naturally have, or, or maybe they they learn that in formation. Um, you can see them coming a mile away, and you might be busy, busy, busy with all kinds of things going on. And you're telling yourself inside, I'm not gonna say yes. I'm not gonna say yes. And before you know it, you've agreed to two or three things. So that's, that's one of the special charisms or gifts that they have. And thank God for them that they, that they do that. I, I love the sisters that we have in our diocese, the, all the religious and the, the people who serve. But that is, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to, 
to do that. And uh, even starting starting young, you know, teaching kids, little ones, how to start with charity as a young age too, could be an act. It is. It's a it's a great way to do that. Um, as again, as I mentioned, that's what my parents taught me, and that was through a little bit of involvement with the St. Vincent of Paul Society. And as I got older, taking on a little more responsibility with the St. Vincent of Paul Society. Awesome. So as we move into the home stretch here, um, are there any other things that you've been thinking about that you'd like people to reflect on or think about? It's the season of giving, right? And we give because we imitate our loving God. And as we know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever might believe in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. So we give. We're creating the image and likeness of God. So we imitate his action. What is the greatest gift? The greatest gift is his son. And I think one of the things we want to think about, too, just to maybe leave uh, leave us on this note, is um, one of the greatest poverties is someone, if for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Because by no other name do we come to know salvation, but under the name of Jesus Christ. And so that spiritual poverty, that that not knowing our Lord. And so um, I think one of the things that we want to do is in our charitable gifts, we don't attach something like, okay, we're going to give this to you only if you come to church. That's not charity. That's, that's coercion. Um, so in our, our, our charitable gifts, we, we act out of love because we imitate Jesus. But we also want to proclaim Jesus, proclaim Jesus and his church, the church that he founded 2,000 years ago. And uh, that's one of the ways that we can, we can alleviate uh, someone's poverty by introducing them to uh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, right? The Prince of Peace. All right. Well, thanks once again for sitting down with us, Bishop Wall. And to all our listeners, uh, we hope you are doing well and have a fantastic Christmas season. Thanks, Suzanne, and God bless to all our listeners. Thank you.